Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Suzanne Venker Show, where we tell truths the culture won't. As always, this program is brought to you by Hair Saloon for Men. Hair Saloon isn't just a place to get a haircut. It's an honorable rebellion against the feminization of the American male. Men and women are different, and that's a good thing. At Hair Saloon, they don't offer coupons because they don't need to. Their prices are always reasonable, and customers never feel shortchanged when they walk out the door. So get out of your wife's salon and head on over to HairSaloon.com. They have 18 locations in St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Houston. Book online or through their mobile app. Again, that's HairSaloon.com. I have a 19-year-old daughter in college who, like most young women her age, enjoys an abundance of support and guidance with respect to her professional endeavors, as she should. What she will not receive is any encouragement or direction for what will someday collide with those professional endeavors, and more importantly, what will have the single greatest effect on her happiness and well-being, marriage and family. The assumption is that women can and should map out their lives the way men map out theirs, as though the sexes are exactly the same. In the age of equality, we pretend. We pretend that women don't care about love and commitment, that they can move in and out of meaningless sexual relationships with no repercussions at all. We pretend that women don't want to get married, even though the reality show, Say Yes to the Dress, has been a runaway success for 12 years. And we pretend that a woman's response to having a baby won't be fierce and intense and unique to her as a woman. We pretend all of this, even though the truth that women are gloriously and demonstrably different from men, sexually and otherwise, is glaringly obvious to anyone who pays attention. My next guest outraged feminists everywhere when she wrote an open letter to the Daily Princetonian telling female students to find a husband on campus before they graduate. The post went viral with more than 100 million hits and eventually became the subject of her book, Marry by Choice, Not by Chance, in which she gives excellent advice to women about how to have truly balanced lives. Susan Patton is a native New Yorker and one of the first women to graduate from Princeton University. She's also a human resources consultant and an executive coach in New York City. Susan joins me now on the phone. Welcome, Susan. What a pleasure to be with you, Suzanne. <laughs> This is so great. I'm so excited to talk with you. I have to tell people, you know, this this all happened roughly five years ago. It feels like it was yesterday. It and, does. And I didn't know you at the time, of course, but I watched. <laughs> I just was glued to the absolute circus that transpired. You were on every possible media outlet everywhere. you could see. I mean, sh- everywhere. seriously, everywhere. everywhere. And mm-hmm. you kept at with the sa- kept at it with the same message over and over and. The more you spoke, the just stronger it became, and the dumber really the media looked. In my opinion, <laughs> it was brilliant. I thought so too. It yeah, was... I thought so too. I got good advice from a good friend early on in that whole kerfuffle, who said to me, "Just don't let anybody make you say anything you don't believe." And I said, "Good, that's it. Got it. Got right. it. I never do say anything I don't believe." <laughs> so you know, this is going to be a cakewalk, no problem. <laughs> but yeah, I was pushed. I was pressed to change my position, to ad- admit that what I was suggesting was retrograde and was, you know, absurd. And, you know, you know. But it, I it, do it, know. it was everywhere. And no one more surprised than me that it caught fire the way it did. Yeah, it was, ju- it was just unbelievable. And so I've now had the chance to read the book, or most of it, and I, there's a couple of things. Well, I'm going to be mentioning several quotes from the book throughout this time sure. with you. But I want to open with the one that made me laugh out loud. 
I was born without a politically correct gene. <laughs> and what that kind of gets say? to what we were just talking about. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And then you described. It's it's absolutely the truth. You know, I'm a a nice Jewish girl from the Bronx. I'm the first person in my family to go away to college. You know, before I got to Princeton, I didn't own a string of pearls. I'd never been to a cocktail party. I just didn't even know that there were things you say and things you don't say. And it just sort of, you know, it works for me. It works for me. It's, It's good. Well, yeah, it it is good, I have to say, because to me, like I've always said, and you you described it perfectly when you were saying what political correctness is, which is basically a tacit acceptance of untruths by spineless spineless people who are hoping to be to look better, more progressive and forward thinking. But they don't even necessarily believe what they're saying. They just say it to to, to make friends. They say it because they think it puts them in a good light. And the truth is, it doesn't put you in a good light when it's so clear that what you're saying is neither truthful, nor do you actually even believe it, even if it's, you know, if there's no authenticity in what you're saying, the, uh, the truth of what you're saying is, is, is almost meaningless. And Absolutely. so many people today, they'll just say whatever they think puts them in a positive light in terms of this progressive uh, thought wave or and back certainly back when I was uh, on campus the the feminist dogma it was so oppressive it was so ever present you couldn't possibly think anything other than what the feminists were telling you to think you just couldn't you wouldn't put yourself in line for the kind of abuse you knew was coming your way I can't even imagine those days because I I was in school in the 80s and, you know, it, it was kind of sunk in at that point. It was still it was starting to be where you didn't even have to question it. It just was like in the air. But it wasn't a yeah. movement, maybe like it was in your day. So that would be. Well, when I was on campus in the, in the mid 70s, the women's movement was really coming into full, full blossom. And women were so new on the campus of Princeton. Um, so I fully acknowledge that I'm an early recipient an early beneficiary of the good works of the women's movement. But it became pretty clear very early on that all of the tenets of the women's movement were not appropriate for me. I really wanted to be married and have children. But whenever I said that among my female classmates, I was looked at like a heretic, Ugh. like I was a traitor, traitor to the sisterhood. You and me both. I mean, you and me both. Okay, so let's get yeah. down to what, what exactly happened. So you, it started with such a simple question. You, you go to this um, um, conference, you're asked to speak mm-hmm. uh, at Princeton, and you're talking about something related to what you do work-wise, yes? Right. And you asked them in the course of this conversation, do, you, do any of you girls want to someday get married and have children. They were terrified of the question. They were horrified of the question and terrified of the question. They couldn't believe I was actually at, and they're looking at each other nervously, like, oh my God, oh my God. But I waited, and I asked again, do any of you want to someday be married and have children? And they were so nervous, but finally one, you know, little girl in the back in the corner, she sort of half raised her hand, scared to death, you know, sort of looking at everybody else. And she sort of raised it a little higher. And then another girl raised her hand. And, you know, and then, so they all raised their hand. It's as if, you know, somebody whispered to each of them, oh, we're, we're actually telling the truth here. If you tell the truth, of course, we all want to be married and have children. And I said to them, let me tell you what nobody is telling you. 
find yourself a husband here before you graduate because you will never again have this concentration of extraordinary men to choose from as you do on this campus. And once you graduate, you're going to be so not impressed with who you meet in the real world. And the men you meet in the real world are going to be terrified of you because you're a Princeton woman. You have a very limited pool of men who aren't going to be turned off by your capacity for greatness, by your credentials, by your extraordinary intellect. Here's where you're going to find these guys. Find them here. Find them here. You'll never have a greater concentration of excellent men to choose from. They looked at me. Suzanne, I'm telling you, jaws dropped. Literally jaws dropped. One woman said to me, you must be kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. I am as serious as a heart attack. Where do you think you're going to meet men better than these guys? Where? And then, of course, you know, you have one or two saying, well, you know, we want to develop our career first, you know, invest 10 or 12 years in developing our career and then think about finding a husband. I said to them, so you're telling me that you're going to spend the next 10, 12 years and wait until you're in your mid-30s before you start looking for a husband? So you're going to be in your mid-30s looking for a man who's 35, 36. Do you think he's going to be looking for a woman who's 35, 36? No, he's going to be looking for a woman who's 25 or 26. So I'm going to stop you right there because those two points, what I want to focus on yep. in everything you just said were two thing, was two things. One is the whole concept of how very smart, well-educated women deal with the whole issue of finding lasting love and why that's so difficult. And that's a kind, mm-hmm. of a kind of a big topic, but I want to talk about that. And then the second thing being exactly what you just said, this idea of waiting 10 or 12 years and starting to think about uh, marriage in your 30s, which is, which is just a lose-lose situation. Those are the two things um, mm-hmm. that really are so topical. I mean... They really are. And certainly, you know, as you well know, the problem with super educated, super powerful, super accomplished women is you're not going to you don't want a man who's less than you are. You don't want a man who isn't as smart as you are, as accomplished or as capable as you are. Okay, so let's turn off. You don't want that. Right. And And that's go ahead. Sorry. And these women, these extraordinary women in many cases have simply they've priced themselves out of the market. So let's, that's what we're going to come to. That's the first thing we're going to talk about when we come back from break yep. is pricing ourselves out of the market and what that looks yep. like and, and all that. Okay, well, we'll be back in one minute. Do you ever wonder what happened to courtship and find yourself longing to go out on a real date? Do you ask yourself why some marriages last and others fall apart? Is your marriage struggling despite your best efforts to keep it together? Women who win at love don't have a gift you don't have. What makes them unique is that they aren't at war with the men in their lives. Rather than take a competitive approach to relationships, as the culture teaches, they accept that men are men and that women are women. And that makes all the difference. Whether you're single and mapping out your life, or you're divorced or unhappily married, women who win at love will permanently alter the way you view men in marriage. You will learn the eight dating rules that lead to marriage, why super successful women struggle in love, what men want and what women want, hint, they're not the same, why love alone is not a reason to get married, how to avoid the green grass syndrome, and why acting like a man lands women in a ditch. Women Who Win at Love is an in-depth examination of modern dating and marriage and a wake-up call for women at every stage of life. So go to Amazon.com and type in Women Who Win at Love and get ready for your life to change. We're talking today with Susan Patton, 
also known as the Princeton Mom, whose open letter to the Daily Princetonian telling its female students to find a husband before they graduate went viral in 2013 and ultimately became the subject of her book, Marry by Choice, Not by Chance. And we left off touching upon two specific difficult and very topical issues of very educated women, meaning the more education you have, the more difficult it can be to find love, and that's just a fact, and we're going to talk about why that is. And then secondly, how postponing marriage and motherhood and start thinking about that in your 30s is the wrong approach altogether and why that is. So let's start with the first one. You know, I I need to back up a little bit. I don't want to focus too much on the Princeton aspect of this because, mm-hmm. I mean, Ivy Leagues are Ivy Leagues. Everybody knows that's a, yep. that's its own kind of thing. But across the country, there are hundreds and thousands of colleges that that women are attending and they're dominating on college campuses. And you don't need to be they on are. an Ivy League to be um, ultimately more educated than the average guy. We know that they're, since women are dominating, they're, what's going to happen at the end – of all of this over-education and over-focus on careers when you want to find a man. What happens, and, and, and just sort of explain to people what may not feel comfortable, but is just the reality of human nature. Right. What may not be comfortable, but it is absolutely the truth, is that women want to marry a man who's a little smarter, a little taller, a little richer, a little whatever, a little older, not the other way around. And men are intimidated by women who who earn more than they do, who are better educated than they are. It threatens their masculinity. I know it's a horrible thing to say, but it's the absolute truth. Men want to feel like men in the relationship. They want to feel like they they are the best provider, that they, they, are, they, they want to feel masculine in their own role. And with women leading the the charge in terms of academic achievement now, it becomes harder and harder for men to keep up. And although, I mean, Kent, I heard it, I've heard it many times, you know, women say, well, you know, you could marry Joe the plumber. Of course you can marry Joe the plumber. But you're going to come to a point with Joe, Joe the plumber where he's just not interesting to you anymore. He is just not going to be interesting enough or capable enough. And when you start out earning Joe the plumber by two to one, three to one, well, the whole structure of your marriage is is going to start to feel untethered. Okay, now stop right there because I I, I definitely want to expound upon that. I'm going to push Mm -hmm. back a little bit on what you said Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. respect to intimidation. I have a different theory on that. And in fact, I just Mm -hmm. spoke with someone a couple weeks ago on this podcast where I think it's true that that certainly boys or younger men would struggle with that intimidation factor. But I think grown men, as he put it, and I agree with him, aren't so much intimidated as just it's so off-putting, um, not, the, not the being smart part, but the what's often carried with that, which is this air of I know what's right and you don't. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. So if you're, in other words, a smart, educated person, I like, I like to consider myself a relatively smart and educated person, 
I don't talk to my husband as though he's not also smart and educated. So mm-hmm. just because you have the smarts and the education doesn't mean it has to translate to always being needing to be right. So I think it gets a little right. more complicated than just men are intimidated. I think it has to do with what goes on in that relationship when you are the dominant partner, which is really where we are today and why women are struggling in their relationships. Well, I'm going to push back on you a little bit here because I do think it's intimidated. It's intimidation, but men don't want to admit that they're feeling intimidated. They would rather say, "Oh, she just pisses me off. She's such a you know such a know-it-all." I think it actually is intimidation, and I think that what comes of this intrinsic, uh, uh, whether it's academic superiority or intellectual superiority, is eventually it's going to come down to professional achievement. When a woman starts out-earning her husband, you got a problem. Yep. There, and even though men will say, gosh, you know, I'd be delighted to marry, be married to a woman who you know, keeps me in caviar and champagne, <laughs> I don't, they don't really mean that. They're saying that because, again, it sounds like, you know, it makes them sound like they're such uh, cool guys, yeah. such progressive, woke yep. guys. They don't mean that. It's emasculating for a man to know that his wife is out earning him two to one or three to one. No question. There's just no question about it. And it changes the entire dynamic. So I mean, Dynamics, I, exactly. I've written extensively and I have a new, new book coming out soon about this very thing. And one of the ch- title chapters is Beware of Being the Breadwinner. And right. and I explain why. And that's and that's what we're talking about now. And I don't know. Absolutely. I don't Absolutely. know why it's so. I mean, I understand why it's. I know it's politically incorrect, um, and I know that it's touchy area because of what's happening in, in our culture today, but I mm-hmm. don't know why more mothers in particular haven't passed on this basic, what I consider very basic knowledge that my mother certainly taught me and that you can find from some wonderful films like, um, what's that one? Uh, my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> Did you oh, see no. that? It's got some great messages about marriage and about men and women. Absolutely, that you do in a humorous Absolutely. way. And it's such a funny movie. You don't eat meat, all right? I'll make lamb. So it's a very, <laughs> it is, funny, it is a very funny movie. But in addition to you know the breadwinner piece, which is critical, men don't want to feel like you're out earning them. I'm remembering back to even when I was a, a, a recent grad, a recent college grad, I was living in New York City, and I was dating lots of men, and how frequently I heard, gee, Susan, I would like you so much better if you were a little dumber. <laughs> I heard it constantly. Well, at least they're honest. Constantly. <laughs> well, all right, yeah, yeah, I give them credit for that, you know, <laughs> that they were a little bit honest, but that was the truth of it. That was the truth of it. That men don't want to feel outsmarted, and I don't mean outsmarted in the you know, way it's, it's come to be understood, but they don't want to feel like they're not intellectually up to the same level as the woman they're with. And much of that, of course, gets into the, just the basic biological differences between the sexes and how the dynamic Absolutely. is supposed to work. And, of course, you and I both know that since men and since young women aren't taught anything about sex differences because we're supposed to be the same, right. they're completely right. missing information that would That's otherwise help correct. them understand this dynamic. Okay, I want to move That's on to the, to the childbearing issue and, and waiting mm-hmm. into your 30s. So mm-hmm. that's, of course, one of the biggest parts of your um, message and your and and um, what you told the women there right. is that that's that, right. Yeah, go ahead. Criti- critically important again, men and women not identical, not identical. Men can take their whole lives to get married and have children. I have classmates who are my age; they're in their mid sixties, have babies at home. Women don't. My female classmates, they don't. 
if they miss their opportunity to be married and have children, they're just at, they're out of luck. Some of them have, you know, have adopted. Some of them have done, you know, who knows what they've done. But they, this is an epic fail. If you know that you want to have children, you have to get yourself married early enough that you're able to have all the children you want. Or you might find yourself having waited too long to have any children at all, much less all the children that you want. It's a critical difference between men and women. So men, they could, you know, they could carouse and be promiscuous and they could have sex with as many women as they want for as long as they want. Because whenever they're ready to settle down, get married and have children, there'll be a woman who'll be happy enough to do that with them. I was just going to say, because they, they can marry down in, in age and everything That's else. That's exactly right. That's exactly. Who doesn't get that? Who doesn't get that? <laughs> a lot Men of people, have, apparently. <laughs> I mean, come on. How ingenuous can you be? Of course men can marry down. Men can marry just a, a beautiful woman who is happy to have sex with them is good enough. That's good enough. That's all they need. Just a beautiful woman that they're happy to be with who's happy to have sex with them. And who's nice. Don't forget the nice factor. That's nice is important. Nice is very nice important. Nice is important. And we make nice these, you made this, this the, you make, you couch this uh, message by fr- explaining that your future and your happiness will be inextricably linked to the man you marry. Not what That's job right. you have. The job you have, you know, I'm an HR babe. This is my, you know, my day job is I'm an HR babe. I, I do human resource consulting. And it's, it, it hurts me to see how women don't understand that their job, and their job is great, you know, very good to be employed. You should always know how to support yourself. But the likelihood is your job is going to have an end date. There's going to be, there's going to come a point where you're sort of done with the job, and then what do you have? And then what do you have? And when women lie to themselves by saying, well, you know, I don't really, I don't need, I don't need to have children. I don't need to have, you know, a husband or, you know, I have my career. Your career is going to come to an end at some point. And then what are you going to do? And, you know, and then what are you going to do? And, even and bef- biologically, don't tell me you don't, don't tell me that the, the most fundamental of biological functions that women were blessed to be capable of is something that you don't care about. Oh, yeah, I think I they're lying. Women yeah, that I, say I, that, I think they're lying. Agreed. Um, I mean, certainly the vast majority, for sure. Um, yep, yep. There's always an outlier. but um, There's always the outlier, but I think most women, they want to get married, they want to have children, and for women to say, to be unwilling to admit that, they hurt themselves, because if you can't say it, then you won't find it. No. If you're not committed, you have to commit yourself to your personal happiness with the same dedication as you commit yourself to your professional happiness. I was going to say about careers, too, not just that they end, but so many people find that what they thought they wanted to do isn't at all what they really want right. to do. So then they have a detour or they want to do a career change. Right. I mean, that's right. so. so you can't rely on a job or a career the way you can rely on a man and a family if you know what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, if you do it hopefully. right and you do it well, hopefully. I mean, and hopefully, and no guarantees it no in marriage, no, no guarantees. You know, you're going to have great kids. Yeah, I happen to have amazing children. I have wonderful children. I didn't marry smartly. I didn't because uh, my head was turned by the feminists on campus who were telling me, no, 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 don't, don't even think about marriage and motherhood. That's not it. You have to aspire to bigger and better than that. 
So I didn't. So instead, I spent you know eight or nine years when I, after I graduated from school dating men who were nowhere nearly as good as the men I went to school with. And ultimately, I married Mr. You know, good enough, Mr. Barely Good Enough, because I wanted children. That's it. And I was willing to sacrifice the blissful marriage for children. That was the single most important thing. And I knew, I, I knew when I got married, this was not going to be a marriage, marriage made in heaven. But if I'm lucky, I'll get what I really, really want. And that was children. And I was, I was blessed like that. My I, children, magnificent, brilliant. I do um, relationship coaching, and I can't tell you the number of women who um, are in their 30s, and they were just newly married. And I have to, when I'm listening to their issues, I, I have to go back and, and ask them how it all came to be that they got married when they did. And nine, mm-hmm. nine out of ten times, they married this person because the clock was ticking. And I right. said, that's the worst time to make a decision <laughs> about who you're going to marry because you're under the gun and you're not going to think in an objective manner. There's no way. That's absolutely correct. And it gets worse the longer you wait, which yeah. is why finding your spouse when you're in college is the best, best time. Okay, let me ask and, you something about that yeah. specifically. And also I wanted to quote some, something that a, North, sure. a Northwestern University gal named Alexandra Salomon, who teaches a course called Marriage 101, mm-hmm. she said over and over, my undergraduates tell me they try hard not to fall in love during college, imagining that would mess up their plans, which is exactly the message that you're, you were talking mm-hmm. about hearing in the 70s. And this is, this is current time. So yeah. when we come back from break, I want to – Talk about that and ask you something specifically, something specific about your um, suggestion that they find a husband on campus. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Suzanne Venker Show. You can find out more at SuzanneVenker.com. We're talking today with Susan Patton, also known as the Princeton Mom, whose open letter to the Daily Princetonian telling its female students to find a husband before they graduate went viral in 2013 and ultimately became the subject of her book, Marry by Choice, Not by Chance. When you wrote this and you made the suggestion, find your husband on campus, I know Mm -hmm. you meant that. But to me, I received that in a broader context. Like to me... It didn't have to necessarily be on campus. It was don't wait beyond – don't wait this 10-year period that we've been talking exactly. about. I, I mean, exactly. it didn't have to be on campus, but it could be within the five years following. That's how I took exactly. it to mean. I don't know if that's what you meant. because That is what I meant. Okay. That is what I meant because what happens – and we all know women who are in their 30s who were all invested in career for a dozen years and now suddenly trying to find a husband with desperation – with desperation and it's the worst possible time and the worst possible manner in which to go about finding a mate when you know when that when they're when they're just giving off man repellent they're so desperate <laughs> uh it, it it's awful it's an it, awful thing and you know my heart goes out to these women who thought they were doing it right they're not doing it right if you wait 10 years those those are the 10 years that you should be very actively finding your life partner. Those 10 years from, you know, from 18 right. to 28, that's so, it. That's when you should be doing it. So the media the career really... Career will always be there. Go back, you know, career will always be there. 
So the media was really honing in on the fact that you were saying find a husband on campus, and they weren't really yeah. thinking beyond, well, what you really meant was be thinking about it in your 20s, not in your 30s. Because I guess I, you've probably got the question from some people about the fact that men mature, young men, mature at a much slower rate than women do. So what? Well, so now maybe yeah, on the I Princeton think, campus, men are a little bit more mature no, than the average. No, no, I don't no. know. They're, they're ridiculous. But, they're ridiculous okay. anywhere. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you marry those, that issue with... Okay. okay. Here's the critical thing that I tell women. Yes, men, are, men don't mature as quickly as women do. That doesn't much matter. What men really, really, really want is sex. That's what they want. And as long as you're willing to have sex with these guys without commitment... They're not going to be interested in marrying you. So the way to, to consider identifying an appropriate marital partner, don't have sex with these guys. Do not have sex with these guys. There's nothing that will diminish you quicker in the eyes of a potential partner than jumping into bed prematurely. Don't do it. And then you always have, you know, that one girl in the back who asked the question, yeah, but all the other girls are having sex with these guys. And the answer is, well, yeah, they are, but these are not the women that men are going to be interested in marrying. Because as much, look, it it is obvious that free sex trumps everything. A man is not going to walk away from free sex. But when he thinks about a woman to marry, a woman who's going to be the mother of his children, it's not going to be one of these girls that has, you know, been around more than the drum and a clothes dryer. It's not going to be those girls. They're going to be looking for good women, virtuous women, with whom to spend a lifetime with and who will bear their children. Men get sort of dewy-eyed when they think about that. I'm going to marry a woman who's going to be the mother of my children. They get dewy-eyed about that. So, yeah, they, they could be a little immature, but they want good women to marry. And if you prolong the process of dating, that slow dance to intimacy is so delicious. Why, why would you rush it, first of all? Why would you rush it? Second, you know, Grandma said it, and Grandma was right. They don't buy the cow if the milk is free. It's, it's critically important that women understand to successfully mate with an eye towards marriage, you can't be promiscuous and you can't jump into bed too soon. You just you can't do it. Men can do it. Women can't do it. You're going to love my uh, my uh, eight dating rules that are that's in the new book. I'm going to send you a copy in a few weeks. Oh, great! I can't wait to see it. <laughs> it's all. It's just. It's dead on. Same as this. Okay. So in fact, that reminds me of a quote. What you were just describing that I had here. I was going to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said it's, it is particularly off-putting when older women suggest that girls be almost reckless in whom they sleep with before Settle they down. hunker down and become wives and mothers. This is terrible right. advice, you wrote, <laughs> which yes. it is. I mean, could it be worse advice? No. Could it be worse no. advice? <laughs> could not. I mean, absolutely terrible advice. And yet, you know, you even have people like Sheryl Sandberg advising oh, young women. I remember. Yes. You know, date the crazy boys, uh-huh. date the wild boys, I remember. date the bad boys. No, don't date those guys. You're not going to marry those guys. Don't date those guys. Don't waste your time with these guys. Absolutely not. See, I, mean, I think of the, of the many crimes that the feminist movement committed against women is telling them you could have sex the way men do. <laughs> Go, you know, go have, you know, just go have sex as much as you feel like with whoever you feel. The way men have always had sex. No question. You can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. 
the risks to women are so completely different than the risks to men, and it's not even just the risk of pregnancy, but promiscuous sex is hazardous to a woman's heart, to her soul, to her head, to her body. Everything about it is bad. Okay, I need to stop you right there. I got to stop you right there. And when we come back, I'm going to switch gears just a bit and ask you something else that um, you talked about when you did the media rounds. We'll be right back. Are you unhappily single? Does your marriage or relationship feel hard? I get a lot of emails from readers who are struggling in their marriage or relationship. Unfortunately, the help an individual or couple needs can rarely be answered in a series of emails. For this reason, I offer relationship coaching for those who are struggling to find love and for couples whose marriage or relationship feels stuck in a negative cycle. Go to SuzanneBanker.com and sign up today for a coaching session with me and learn the tools you need to find love and sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneBanker.com. Welcome back to The Suzanne Venker Show. You can find out more at SuzanneVenker.com. One of my favorite things about taking my son to hair salon when he was young was that the front desk keeps extensive client notes on each customer so I didn't have to remember what they did the time before that made my son's hair look so good. No matter which stylist my son had had, he could always get the same haircut. That's one of the many benefits you'll get from being a customer at Hair Saloon for Men. So head on over to HairSaloon.com. They have 18 locations in St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Houston. Book online or through their mobile app. Again, that's hairsaloon.com. We're talking today with Susan Patton, also known as the Princeton Mom, whose open letter to the Daily Princetonian telling its female students to find a husband before they graduate went viral in 2013 and ultimately became the subject of her book, Marry by Choice, Not by Chance. And I want to switch gears, Susan, just a bit to yep. another very difficult topic, very topical, about... Mm-hmm. Um, well, the hookup culture, yes, but more specifically, the end result of many of them that become accusing young men of sexual harassment. Um, yeah. you, you, you talked a lot about um, how when women get drunk on campus, they have to um, understand I'm going to let you say it, but better. You, but but that they have to understand their responsibility in that, exactly in, right. in that in that dynamic. That's exactly right. Uh, women, first and foremost, have to understand that they are their own first line of defense against assault. Um, I think that women have to understand; they have to be completely conscious and cognizant of where they are and who they're with. I think over over being overserved at a party, and even the idea of uh, pre gaming. You're aware of that, pre gaming. You mean pre gaming? Pre gaming is when before you even get to the party. Oh, you mean tailgating? No. No. Wait. No. No. Pre gaming. I had it explained to me many times. Is when you get you you get almost blackout drunk before you even get to the party. Oh, pre-gaming. No, I don't know that term. Thank yeah. God. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. if you Google it, you'll see it. It's like a very big thing on campus, pre-gaming. You get almost blackout drunk before you even get to the party, so that when you get to the party, you are completely without inhibition. Well, this is a huge problem. 
So women, they, they get themselves drunk, they're falling out of their clothes, they're hanging on these men, and when the suggestion is made that they go back to his dorm room or her dorm room, it's like she doesn't have presence of mind enough or senses, sense enough to say, you know, I don't think so, I just want to go back to my room. And then the regret afterwards, it's not, it's not the man's fault. It just isn't. Sex that you regret after the fact is not rape. It's not assault. It's a it's a bad decision on your part. It's a really well. I'd say I mean experience. yeah. It's, it's a bad decision experience. on both their parts because in the ideal world, of course, uh, yeah. you wouldn't take advantage of a drunk girl. I mean, I let, I mean, let's face it. My son. I mean, I can confidently say my son would not do that, and it's because of the right. way we raised him. Now, but you said a great quote. You said was to compare it about teaching men to be good or what have you. You said we could teach burglars not to steal, but better advice: right. lock your door. That's exactly right. So you can't Women control have to be their own first line of defense. Keep yourself, keep yourself sober. Mm-hmm. Keep yourself safe. You have to be your own first line of always. You have to be your own first line of defense. How? how what kind of sense does it make to allow yourself to get so drunk that you don't know what you're doing and who you're doing it with? And then the next day or a week later, you're gonna you're gonna blame him. Don't blame him. Don't blame him. And, of course, all these things are so much harder in a cult. I mean, I do feel for them. I'm, I'm torn between being wanting to just look at them like, what are you thinking? And then feeling so badly that they're in a culture that encourages that. And, and, and oh, yeah. they have no direction not to. And then everybody's around you doing it. And the human condition is such that you're just going to want to go along to get along. It's very difficult to not do that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Women feel so pressured to drink to excess, and the hookup culture is something that women feel pressured to do. How did did we come to this, Suzanne? There was a time that the women's movement was supposed to encourage women to be their best, their smartest, their most capable, take care of themselves, look out for themselves. This is completely counter to that. This is completely counter to that. We need to encourage young women to be strong enough and smart enough to say no. I'm not going to drink to excess. No, I'm not going to wear these clothes that I'm falling out of. No, I'm not going back to your dorm room. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a woman that requires your respect before I'll consider entering into any kind of intimacy with you. And that doesn't happen on a first date or a second date or even a third date, quite frankly. No, of course not. And that, and in our day, that the people that did that, they were the outliers. I mean, it was not. It, right. it would be strange right. to just... That would be considered so n- not acceptable in our day. So it's right. flipped on its head, and you, you're. It really has, and I think you know the the, the I, I know women say it to me. So you're telling us don't drink and don't have sex. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Don't drink and don't have sex because all of that changes the equation of how you interact with men. Unquestionably. But, I mean, the combination yeah, of, of sex saying. and alcohol are, are just mm-hmm. bad news. I mean, you can nurse a beer or two all night, and nobody will know the difference anyway. Precisely. Okay. Or you could even you could even nurse a you know a diet coke, and no one is going to know the difference. Excellent. Okay, we need to take a quick word for our sponsor. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Suzanne Venker Show. You can find out more at SuzanneVenker.com. We're talking today with Susan Patton, also known as the Princeton Mom, whose open letter to the Daily Princetonian telling its female students to find a husband before they graduate went viral in 2013 and ultimately became the subject of her book, Marry by Choice, Not by Chance. And I'm going to switch gears yet again, Susan, and I want to ask mm-hmm. you about something that you, I'm going to read something that you wrote, yep. which I think, once again, is as topical today as it was in your day, maybe more so, I don't know. You wrote, I was frequently asked why I would consider throwing away a Princeton education on raising a family. Mm. I couldn't understand why pursuing the latter was the equivalent of discarding the former. I didn't think I was at Princeton to develop skills that would necessarily empower me to rule the world. I thought I was there to get the best possible education to put to use living the best possible life. However, I chose to define that life for myself. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, as you know, because you too are a mother, there there is no better, more gratifying, or more challenging job than being a mom. It, 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 it simply it, it it's it. Incomparable. It is it. Incomparable. There is nothing better. There is nothing more complicated or more challenging than being a good mom. And as much education as you could get for yourself so that you could pass along a love of learning to your children, pass along to them the importance of curiosity, that as much as you're able to show them and explain to them, the more they will benefit from it. It, And it's the most challenging job. I know a lot of women who are leaders of industry, I mean, several of my female classmates, they they run enormous businesses. They're you know, names you would know, but if you ask them what is your single greatest accomplishment, they'll all tell you. If they were lucky enough to marry and have children, they'll tell you it's their it's their children, it's their children, it's their family. The idea of throwing away a pr- no no you don't throw away education, you don't throw it away for anything on anything. It enhances you. It helps you survive in the world, and it helps you contribute to the world. And it especially helps you build and grow your children into the most responsible, useful, wonderful people that they can be. I also thought it was interesting that people never think about just the experience of college. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to culminate in one I mean, let me, right. let me let me move back a second. I, I'm not a big liberal arts education uh, uh, fan. Yep. I like I like getting something you can do something with. So don't misunderstand me. But there's the experiences that you have throughout those years as well that aren't related to a career per se. Right. That are also right. not uh, an investment for life. They are absolutely an investment for life and an investment that that pays off dividends every single day. Every single day. Wow. We could just talk. For so much longer. Forever. I mean, seriously, there's so much to say about this topic. And I think the the biggest key is that it's, it's, for me, getting across to young people the significance of being able to think for yourself and reject what people around you were doing. And that's so hard at that age. I mean, you and I were unusual that we, when we were in college, right. we're thinking outside the norm. But the right. reality is, Susan, most people just aren't. So what do you think is the best way to reach them? I would think, you know, assure assure them, especially women, that it's okay to want what they want, 
they don't have to want what other women want. They don't have to want what other women tell them they should want. They have to respect themselves. They have to know what at their core will really make a difference in a very long life. You're going to live to be 100. What do you, what do you really want in your life? What do you really want in your life? It's a long life. What do you really want? Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. That's a, that's a fantastic place to end it. That's what I always say is, what do you want? That's the best question because that forces you to think right. much broader than just, you know, what am I going to do tomorrow? Exactly. That's great. Exactly. Where can people find out more about, well, <laughs> I shouldn't ask you that. I know what they could do. They could just Google your name, right? And all kinds of things yeah, will pop much. up. <laughs> that's... Yeah, pretty much. You know, I, I get emails constantly uh, from people who, you know, people I don't know asking for advice or telling me that they followed my advice and they're getting married in two weeks or they're having a baby or whatever. And, you know, I'm always, I'm delighted to hear from people. I write back to everybody. Uh, but how much fun talking to you, Suzanne. My goodness, we could talk forever and ever and ever. I hope we'll be able to talk again sometime. I know. I hope you'll come back on. This has been just a pleasure. I really appreciate your taking the time. I will absolutely come back anytime you invite me. Awesome. Thanks, Susan. My guest today was Susan Patton, also known as the Princeton Mom, whose open letter to the Daily Princetonian telling its female students to find a husband before they graduate went viral in 2013 and ultimately became the subject of her book, Marry by Choice, Not by Chance. Well, that wraps up another edition of The Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to tune in next week when we talk with Elliot Katz about his book, Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and please take two minutes to give us your review. It really helps. And if you have a question or comment for me, go to Suzanne at the SuzanneVenkerShow.com. And I want to make a little side note here that this is the last day of the radio program that airs from The Answer St. Louis. So it's even more important that those of you who are listening via podcast go and subscribe right now to the podcast because it's going to be seamless and the podcast will continue. But if you are somebody who listens via the radio, we will no longer be on the radio. So you have to go to the podcast. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. You're a man that respects quality over quantity. You value relationships that can stand the test of time. You enjoy convenience without sacrificing comfort. At Hair Saloon for Men, we get it. We're restoring the time-honored tradition of delivering a haircut experience men across all generations can depend on. Because sometimes the man everyone depends on needs a place of his own to depend on. While today's world is filled with numerous clip joints and fancy salons, Hair Saloon is building something better, something different. Hair Saloon for Men Against the Grain. Visit HairSaloon.com to find a saloon in your neighborhood. That's Hair Saloon dot com.